Today's podcast is brought to you by Something Blue by Anita Kay, specializing in wedding and event photography. Visit her page on Facebook. For those in love, capture those memories with Something Blue by Anita Kay. The Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast with Mark Pulo starts now. Power in the cartoon world. A podcast, and I was told that if I did your podcast, that I would, you know, advance to the next level. And we're podcasting and photographizing in front of the great. The worst gigs of their life are, are because of Mark <laughs> Anyone want a husband? Free, free to a home. Now it doesn't even have to be a good home. Just free to a home. Ladies and gentlemen, Andre the Giant would like to do his impression. Oh, Willie Nelson. Suck yourself dry! Alright. Hello folks and welcome back to the Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Poulos. It's good to be back. Today on the program I'm going to talk about uh, comedy seminars. So basically, like, you get to a point in this business where... You either make the decision that you're going to be a road comic for the rest of your life, um, move into writing, or just get out of it altogether. You know, people are always surprised when comics give up comedy. And, you know, after a while, it kind, kind of starts to wear on you. You know, it's like they always told me when I first started other veteran comedians, they said, you're either going to love the road or you're going to hate it. And I actually loved it for a very long time. Um, but it starts to wear on you. I mean, I, I think I mentioned it before, but uh, I've driven a million miles. That's just so insane. Like there's some people that only drive 12,000 miles their entire life. And in 15 years, I've driven a million miles and it starts to wear on you, wears on your body. You know, I've got sciatic issues, um, not to get too personal, but hemorrhoid issues probably from sitting for a million miles and, uh, you know, joint stuff and stretching problems, back problems. And, and, you know, it's all got to be closely related to sitting in a car for a million miles, you know, so you get to a point where you start to try to find other avenues to make money. Some guys will write articles or write for other comedians. Um, some will, you know, get out of the business entirely. Some will buy comedy clubs and run them or, you know, become bookers, you know, find rooms and send comedians there. And then there's other guys who decide that they're going to teach comedy. And as I've mentioned many times on the podcast, that's actually how I got my start in comedy was I took a comedy class from Scott Novotny. Um, it was like eight Sundays. And then he had a intermediary class where it was a little bit more personal and intense for comics who, uh, who really wanted to take it to the next level. So I took that class and, you know, the rest is history. So there are a lot of comics that teach comedy classes. There are 
quite a few of them that I don't think should be teaching comedy classes because they don't really understand comedy themselves. But, you know, it's a business. And uh, some people might not know this, but a few years ago, I actually created and wrote my own comedy class um, with the help of Ken Reed from The Joke Joint. We were talking one afternoon about, uh, you know, what what comedy class hasn't been done you know it's like um there's so many comedy classes like year one comedy like how do you become a comedian from the beginning like how does a regular person that works a normal job become a comedian you know it's like those classes are a dime a dozen and then there's other classes where you know, it's uh, it's all focused on the writing of comedy, like how to do a setup and a punchline and all that. So what I felt like was lacking in the comedy class business was uh, was what do you do if you're a comedian who's about, I don't know, three to seven years in and you haven't really made any headway in the business? Um, you know, what what can you do? And so I put together this comedy class. It was called The Business of Being Funny. And it was all the idea of merchandising, marketing, um, connections, contacts. So basically, I would have these handouts. And it was, it started out, I was, you know, being bold, <laughs> thinking that the the class was going to be kind of like a Scott Novotny class where it would be four Sundays, an hour each Sunday, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, my wife is a photographer, so I'm like, well, maybe we'll roll headshots into the thing, you know. And I charged 150 bucks, which I thought, you know, with the headshots alone, like a, a sitting for headshots is like $200. So I'm like, the headshots alone would have people being like, I got to get into this class and got it all together spent a lot of my own money putting it together and i was really excited and literally the first class that i did i had two people uh john russell who's now a really good friend and jeff larson who's another comedian from rochester and and i'm like i i can't ask these guys to come up like for the next four sundays so we ended up just banging out the whole class in that one time frame. And I went through everything, you know, and a lot of it was common sense stuff, but I, I kind of figured that the, the things that would get people to want to come to the class was I had the headshots and then I put together this packet of like 40 bookers, like their addresses, their contact information, their phone numbers, their emails in this neat like 40, 40 contact book. And I was like, for that book and the headshots, I would think 150 bucks people would be jumping at it. But I don't know what it was, man, but it just did not catch steam at all. Like I did that first class and then I was like, well, I did it in the winter. Maybe it was a bad time to do it. So I tried to do it again in the spring. And then in the spring, it was even worse. I only had one guy show up. So I just, you know, sat with him over an afternoon and, and went over everything. And then over the next like six or seven months, I had like one or two other people that wanted like 
kind of personal sessions where I would go through everything and, and I don't know. I feel like that time has passed now, so I thought uh, it might be kind of cool for, for you know, comedians that are three to seven years in and, and people who are kind of interested in how the comedy business works to, to do a podcast on it. I don't know if it'll be interesting. Who knows? But uh, I'm just going to kind of go through a few of the, the points that I was making in the class. So the first point that I would make in the class was the idea of uh, profit management. So it's like when you, a lot of people don't know this, but when a comedian goes out on the road, we pay for everything. We pay for travel, gas, food, lodging. Um, the clubs will give you lodging if you're working that night. And that used to be a hard and fast rule. Like if you were doing comedy that night, they would give you a place to stay. But now all these uh, low-rent comedy bookers are booking all these gigs without a hotel room, which I don't understand how any comedian is taking those gigs because they have to be losing money. They're getting paid $200 for the gig, and then they have to shell out 60 of that 200 to get a hotel room. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. So the, f the first point of being a road comic is profit management like you have to find ways to save money um and there's a lot of ways to save money um some guys go way overboard i worked with a guy from pittsburgh named eric Shantz, and he had turned his car it was like a subaru basically into a winnebago like he had pulled the seats out he had put a mattress in there he had storage and hot plates and crock pots and all this stuff and he would just make his own food sleep in his own car but i mean when you're a feature act touring the country making a hundred dollars a show paying for everything yourself like you can't survive it's just not a, it's not possible like you can uh if you sell stuff which will be the next point that i'm going to go over but the um so Cooking your own food is a good thing. Um, there are easy ways to cook your own food. Uh, like I said, crock pots and hot plates. And, um, you know, there. when I was in Canada, I met a bunch of comics who had figured out how to turn their coffee pots into hot plates, which I don't know if that's even possible anymore. But coffee pots are, are actually a really good way to cook food in your hotel room. I mean, mostly it would be like soups and stews and stuff. It's kind of hard to cook anything else in there. And it is kind of funny to think about the amount of food that I've cooked in a coffee pot on the road. And then the person that came in after me looking to have a nice, delicious cup of coffee. And they're like, why the fuck does this coffee taste like ramen noodles? You know, or even worse, like, why the fuck does this coffee take like, taste like Dinty Moore stew? You know? But it's just like comics all over the country are using their coffee pots to cook shit, you know. Um, one of the points I would make in the class, which I probably wouldn't make anymore um, with me being in recovery for gambling. But, um, you know, it was a solid idea um, and in the hands of someone who's not addicted to gambling, 
it probably would be a very easy way to save money on the road but it's like there's all these tiny little casinos little native american casino places and bigger city casino places and if you go there you can sign up for their membership card or their players card or whatever and they'll send you flyers with like free shit in the mail you know it's basically like uh 20 off a room or or half off a room or free rooms and sometimes they'll send you five dollars free play and and so i would sign up for every single casino card in the entire country and i would get all this mail at home and i would sift through it and i would get all these coupons and everything when i go on the road i would organize it and i would like you know if i needed a hotel room on my day off i would go to this casino and play like five dollars and then you know maybe they give me a free buffet and all this kind of stuff but it's you know definitely uh an un, uh, untapped resource as far as like trying to save money as a road comic is uh casinos are always trying to get people in the door and give away free stuff so if you're able to have the restraint to not lose all your money you just made but it's like comedians were such an addictive personality that it almost becomes uh, impossible, you know. So making your own food, using uh, uh, casino players cards, um, obviously carpool as much as you can with other comedians, travel together, um, you know, in the summertime, sleeping in your car is always a viable option i never used to do it myself um, but when i got a family and saving like 60 or 120 bucks on a couple nights off um definitely uh worth it and it's it, people's worry is always like well where do you sleep like where is it safe you know like rest areas not always the best place um truck stops um I think the best place to sleep in your car is at a truck stop or at Walmart, believe it or not, because Walmart actually has a policy where they allow over-the-road drivers to sleep in their parking lots. And the lights are on in the parking lot. They have security. Most Walmarts are 24 hours, so you can go in and use the bathroom if you need to. Um, so I'll always sleep at a Walmart over, over and above any other place if I can find it. Um, if I'm in a pinch, I'll go and sleep at the rest area, but the rest area is always so like secluded and, and weirdo people are always hanging out at the, at the, uh, the rest area. So I'd, I'd warn against that. But so basically it's just like as much as you can save money on the road, you have to, you know, it's the only way you become profitable. Um, you know, it's, not a popular idea with a lot of comedians, but I would never, I'd never buy my own liquor. I would never like waste money on booze or, or any of that kind of stuff. Um, if it was free, I would indulge obviously, but I would never pay for my own booze. Cause I'm just like, it's a waste of money trying to make money in this business. And, uh, and so that's good. So profit management, merchandising, uh, Frankly, when I meet a comedian on the road that isn't selling something after the show, I look at him like like he has a rotary phone in his house because it's just like it's so easy to make merchandise. Like you could you could make a sticker 
you, you don't even know, you need to know anything about graphic arts and you can make a bumper sticker on makestickers.com, get a uh, hundred of them for 60 bucks, sell them for five bucks a piece. And now you're already making profits, you know, and it's like people want to make a CD. I don't know, man. Comedy albums are such a, a, a place of lost money, but it's just like, it's the way the business is right now. Like you have to make the comedy album, you have to make a splash with it. Uh, you have to have it reviewed. Um, you're not going to sell many hard copies of your CD after the show anymore. Um, most of your sales are going to be digital and um, you're going to get royalties from places like XM or internet radio stations playing your comedy. Um, you definitely want to sign up for, uh, for sound exchange. Sound Exchange is a company that scours uh, the internet and the radio's waves and uh, collects royalties for artists and then pays them out. So um, I get a check every three or four months for like, you know, anywhere from 60 to 100 bucks just on those royalties alone. And uh, it's a nice little extra bonus. And, and I've put together four comedy albums. So there's so much material of mine out there circulating on the internet. That's why my checks are usually so big. Because most people, like if they have one comedy album on the internet, they basically get a check for like 20 bucks every four months or whatever. So you have to make the comedy album. It's, it's, a, it's such a loss, but it's like it, ha it has to happen. That's like, I meet comics all the time. They're like, I've been doing comedy for nine or 10 years and soon enough I'll feel I'll feel good about putting an album out. It's like 10 years. Like, I've been doing comedy for 15. I have four comedy albums out. You know, are they all amazing? Probably not. There's a lot of material that's the same from album to album, but it's just a little different, you know. But it's like you, ha you have to continually put material out. You have to continually, like, let people know you're still there. Um, so that's a no-brainer um and the biggest money maker on the road right now is obviously going to be funny t-shirts and funny t-shirts i don't know why it's such a big business like i've never myself like there was a time that i was buying big dog shirts because i thought the stuff that was on the back was funny but i sell four different shirts after the show i sell creep squad flapjacks and tits, waffles and cocks, and I'm not drunk, I'm a bitch. And over the course of my career, I've gone through hundreds of different ideas and designs. And these are the four that I've settled on for right now. I'm sure a few of them are going to get retired. Um, I almost retired flapjacks and tits because I was getting so tired of telling that joke on stage. But then uh, and we redesigned it, so now it looks like the IHOP logo and... I mean, I can't keep them in stock. People are buying them like they're, they're, I'm just like, it's so funny to me because in the 15 years I've been doing comedy and I go back to a lot of the same places and whatever and I sell hundreds of thousands of these funny shirts. I've never once in my life like been out for the day and seen somebody wearing a flapjacks and tit shirt at the grocery store or a creep squad shirt. Um, my buddy Mike Merrifield was in Rochester one time and I used to sell a shirt that said drunk asshole on it. And 
he sent me a picture of these four guys in the front row all wearing drunk asshole shirts. And he goes, I feel like you might have been here last week or something like that. But yeah, profit management, you have to sell stuff to make money. Uh, Lee's Tees, great company. Um, they have a graphic artist on the payroll. Uh, it's a great company to go with if you're thinking of funny t-shirt ideas. And my two cents on the subject are the three shirts that sell the most after shows are uh, drinking shirts, shirts that have something to do with sex, and shirts that have the word fuck on them. They sell like hotcakes. And the biggest piece of advice I could give you if you're deciding on doing a funny shirt is keep it simple, you know. I think where people run into a lot of problems is they want to get really fancy with it. Like they want it to be like this really cool idea from their set or whatever. Just keep it simple. A very simple idea, very simple logo, something that can stand outside of your comedy act. Somebody can see it. It's recognizable. It's funny. Um, shirts that have anything to do with Facebook or Instagram or Twitter now are, are pretty big. Um, yeah, just keep it simple and, 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 you know, people always ask me like, how many shirts do you buy? Well, it's like what I consider a full order. Like if I sold all of my creep squad shirts, um, what I would consider a full order is I would get, um, 20, 20 small, medium, large, extra large, 2X, and then get 10 3Xs. So um, that would be considered a full order for me because that lasts for quite a long time. And it's just up to you to keep track of your inventory and reorder certain sizes and that kind of stuff. And that, that does become the, the hardest part of the business of selling T-shirts is fucking lugging the t-shirts everywhere. I go through so many t-shirt bags because they have so many in there. They just rip and fall apart. I was in Columbus last year and I was rolling my bag and it was one of these 20 or $30 bags from Walmart and it had like a, a false bottom where you could put shirts in there and then there was a top part and the false bottom fell apart and like all my shirts went spilling all over the mall as I was heading towards the comedy club. So that was fun. Um, so yeah, I, I would also talk about marketing yourself, you know, you definitely want to come up with, uh, you know, some fun ideas to market yourself, you know, guys like Johnny Beaner and other comics, they'll send Christmas cards to the comedy clubs, just kind of reminding them of who they are. A lot of comics like Nicholas Anthony and other people will send thank you cards to the comedy clubs after they've been there. Um, guys like, you know, Nathan Timmel and um, Josh Blue, they'll send flyers ahead of time before they get there so they can hang them up around the club. Because it's like if you're, if you're putting all your hopes and wishes in the comedy club that they're going to promote you correctly before you get there, uh, you're sorely mistaken. So you should always try to, you know market yourself obviously you need social media you need a website um, wix.com is pretty cool nowadays you can put together a free website and and it doesn't look that bad 
Um, the cool part about my website is, um, even though it's built by Wix, like all, there's like a ton of like external things in it. So it's like my calendar is laughq.com and my, my store is, uh, is an external thing too. And it's all free. Um, you know, they get you when you want to click on the bells and whistles, but, uh, once I would talk about all that stuff, I would kind of go through the 40-page book of all the bookers and their contact information and how they do business and all that kind of stuff and usually be a pretty cool part of the business. And, uh, and then we would do the headshots and I'd get my check and then uh, be on my way pretty much. And uh, if you're thinking to yourself, like, wow... This sounds like a really good idea. Like, why didn't anybody ever buy it? No idea. I have no idea. I've done the class maybe like six times, and I think I've had a total of six people take it. So um, if you are interested in uh, the Booker Packet or taking the full class, um, you can contact me through my, my website, which is largedrunkman.com. Or on Facebook at Mark Poulos Comedian. And, uh, you know, let me know you want to take the class. I can do it uh, over the internet or over the phone. I can send you all the documents and the booker packet. And uh, if you really did want headshots and lived somewhere near Minneapolis, um, my wife would be more than willing to, to do those as a part of the program. So just let me know. And uh, you can always get this podcast at Podbean, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, basically anywhere a podcast is. And uh, go to largedrunkman.com for my upcoming tour dates. And uh, this week, I just have a corporate. Next week, I'm doing a huge college show in uh, Hinalei, Ohio, which is going to be a blast. Um, if you haven't gotten your tickets for my February 13th show at Running Aces in Forest Lake, make sure you do that soon because I'm sure it's going to sell out pretty quickly. So thanks for tuning in and tune in next time when we talk about who knows.